I would be talking and one of my cousins would just stop the conversation and go, it's so weird. You sound just like your father. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to kid you, Elijah. I, I went to the bathroom a couple times and just cried a little bit because I've never sounded, looked like, or acted like anyone. That was never a deal, right? I don't sound like anyone. I'm just a one-off. But then you spend this whole time and you're realizing, no, I'm one-off. And that's cool. And the way God had it. This is Kingdom Subjects. I'm Elijah. I'm thrilled to be sitting across from Darren Famulacano, formerly Darren Ratcliffe, a friend of mine, um, once almost my employer. <laughs> we get into that I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I have um, not forgot about that. No, I think about that. I think about that too. Positively. Yes, same. Um, uh, someone that I deeply respect and appreciate and thank you for being here this is kind of a, a christmas special i would say we're going like to be it. sharing uh, some stories about family so darren welcome to kingdom subjects yeah elijah thanks for having me yeah mm -hmm. i appreciate it so i'm going to just get started here um probably two or three months ago when, when was the beginning of the story that we're about to tell that you're about to tell so it would go back to july actually okay mid-july yeah. So for, for those that are listening, mid-July, here's the story. Mm -hmm. After 52 years of never knowing, uh, I met, uh, tracked down, and met my father. Mm. So it's quite the story. Mm. Yeah. So it was mid-July. Mid-July. And, and before we, um, we get into it, I want to just provide some context. You're mm -hmm. a lead pastor. Yeah, at Rogue Valley Christian Church mm -hmm. here in town. How long have you been been the pastor there? Uh, seven years now. Yeah. Seven years. And had been doing ministry in mm -hmm. different capacities in the Valley for, well, since the, uh, probably mid nineties. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know how long that is. It just feels like a long time. Yeah. That's, that's a good, good amount of time being yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Especially you were in, in youth ministry. Did I youth believe ministry? you were my pastor's youth pastor, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, have great memories of uh, Kenner and youth ministry. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> How long were you in youth ministry? About 10 years. Okay. Yeah. That's a long time for youth ministry. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Back in those days, I remember having some conversations after about nine years. Uh, we looked at some national statistics, and then we looked at some stats in the Valley here. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the average stay of a youth pastor was like nine months. And Whoa. we we commented that we we were on nine years um so it was a very unique thing saw a yeah. lot of people um had some really great relationships with kids and mm -hmm. see them grow up did a lot of weddings um as kids grew up and got married mm -hmm. and started having families and wow. yeah made a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. <laughs> as, a, as a youth guy but yeah yeah that's a pretty incredible time amount of time to be a youth pastor. Um, after, I mean, seeing an entire generations, you see like a freshman become a college student become in that amount of time, you could have seen them graduate from college. Yeah. From, and then do their wedding and do their wedding. Mm -hmm. It's just really incredible. Yeah. What were some of the, uh, what attributed to that length? Like the, how did you not burn out is I guess what I'm trying to ask. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, we get asked that question all the time about burnout, and I don't even know how it works. I mean, obviously, at different times throughout close to 30 years, you get tired. There are seasons that are harder than others. Mm. But I think it comes down to, like, there's a number of things. I mean, spiritually, it comes down to gifting, calling. Um, and then even within the church community context, there's a fitting in and a, a staff dynamic that can mm -hmm. support that and help that out to where, mm -hmm. you know, we went through those nine years there. We, everybody, you know, we had the, the advantage of being on a staff that everybody wanted mm -hmm. to be on and everybody yeah. got along and we all cared about each other. We weren't without our issues, but nobody wanted to do anything else. And so there's that other thing, right, is I think people say it all the time, cliches, but, you know, if you love your job, it'll never feel like work, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I buy that because work's work, but mm -hmm. um, when you love it and that's what you're doing, there you go. But I will say, looking back now, and this is connected probably to the story a little mm -hmm. bit, um, uh, underneath the surface for f way too much of my life, there's I've been kind of fueled by insecurity. Mm. And so when, yeah, when you're, doing something for nine years on the surface it looks really good but I mean I'd be I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was probably too afraid to do anything else you know or try anything else because you know you get there and going back a little bit I didn't grow up in a Christian home um you know we went to Catholic midnight mass mm -hmm. once a year on Christmas Eve right yeah. and, mm -hmm. and I was uh, at first confused. And then, you know, as I got older, as a teenager, I just hated it. Mm -hmm. Um, not because I hated Catholic mass that was still confusing, but what I hated sure. was like, <clears throat> we don't, we don't buy into any of this all year long and now we have to go. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Right. Um, so I didn't come from a religious home or a Christian home. So I never looked like I never pursued becoming a pastor. I never, it was never you know, like anybody else, I got out of high school, didn't go to college, and now I got to figure out some jobs and figure out a way to make money, and you're insecure and trying to figure out all out. The ministry thing kind of, I look back, and it was kind of, like on one level, you would look and go, it's kind of accidental or coincidental, but in reality, now, you know, from a theological perspective, you'd recognize, wow, look at God's hand. It's probably been more providential for sure. Hmm. Um, however... I didn't get into it because that's what I wanted to do. Like I just found myself in it, not having, like I joke with people, the first youth group, the first time I ever went to youth group, I was leading it, <laughs> not attending. Right. So that was weird. Real, that is crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I never went to youth group growing up. Mm. We, I mean, we knew who those kids were and we right. all thought they were weird. <laughs> and in fairness, right. they're not. They're some of the sweetest. I know some of them now. And uh, you know, I, spe specifically there was this one guy I went to high school with who was, uh, very Christian, mm. always kind and very nice, but I always thought he was weird, man. Mm. And I've since run into him in the last 15 years or so and have uh, actually been able to thank him for being mm. so faithful even during that time, wow. even though we thought it was strange. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't get into it. Yeah. Like, And so there, you go into <laughs> it battling a lifelong insecurity from not knowing who you are, mm. in a sense, to... Now you're in a job that you're not qualified for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe nine years, I, I'll bet, like, there's probably some imposter syndrome. Like, when you don't feel like you belong, you work mm -hmm. really hard to make sure that yeah. nobody finds you out. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. So yeah. when I mentioned, like, 
hey, there was lots of mistakes. It was probably a lot of those like underneath the surface. And don't get me wrong, we made some practical mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like youth ministry in the late nineties was filled with lots of practical jokes that you would get in a lot of trouble now <laughs> for doing. And and if we, you know, you know, our youth guys, we would tell them, Don't you ever do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yep. Yeah. Absolutely. The 90s was a wild west for youth group. Crazy. You read stories of like communion with uh, communion with Kool-Aid and, you know, like Cheez-Its. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, remember uh, just recently you and I were both at the Helping Hands Uh annual banquet and I ran into um, a guy that volunteered with us way back in the day Mm -hmm. at that banquet. And I hadn't seen him for maybe 20 years and uh, we just started talking, and I remember reminiscing afterwards, thinking a little bit like, my goodness, that guy was the cause of so many great things, <laughs> but he also pushed the limits and boundaries of youth ministry yeah. to where like, he's lucky he didn't get arrested type mm-hmm. of a deal, yeah. but he's the sweetest guy now. So yeah, yeah. it was a different time. It was sure. a different time. It was a yeah. powerful time in, in yeah. a lot of ways. And yeah. I, my dad was youth pastor from 92 to 2000, so he... I grew up kind of around those kids that he ministered to or the youth that he ministered to. And For sure. So, um, but, and he passed the torch to another guy, passed the torch to another guy, and I grew up in the same church, you know, but a different leader. Um, and I think there was almost a, not to speak against my generation, but almost kind of a softening of uh, skin <laughs> a yeah. little bit. I remember like thinking that we, uh, all of us in 2000, you know, whatever, whenever I was in youth group, 2008, 2009, that you know we want to be like the older generation and play pranks on each other and then the youth pastor would play a prank on us and it would just break us yeah <laughs> you yeah. know <laughs> like it was, yeah because we it was just better than yeah. our pranks you know yeah so um, and pranks is a it's a weird thing like i'm an old man now uh-huh. so at, my, at 52 i think about pranks and i think well that's a strange way to tell somebody you love them there's right. a shortcut and that's just to show them yeah. and tell them you, <laughs> you love, love them, them. <laughs> which is what all right. those pranks were right? right they were all about acceptance and we love you and we care about you and you know and so but but now looking back you're like that is the strangest way to communicate love right mm-hmm. and i don't think jesus did it yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. i don't know we'll see but yeah yeah absolutely yeah um so you were a youth pastor for nine, uh, excuse me, yeah, nine years. Mm-hmm. And then um, what What kind of, in a short, in a short way, kind of brought sure. you from there to, to now? Yeah, so at the time it was all very, um, it was very contextualized to the church community that we were at at the time, mm-hmm. right? You had already mentioned like Kenner Gossman's pastor of Rogue Valley Fellowship now. Mm-hmm. At the time, that's where I was doing youth ministry. We had a different senior and at that time, some things that happened, long story short, um, uh, our lead pastor started doing some transitional things. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was some opportunities for me um, to do some other things, started doing some college ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, that came to a point to where um, we needed to figure out what that was going to look like long term. Needed to make some decisions about the ministry, and one of the decisions we made was, well, let's start holding it on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. But then there's a realization: if you hold it on a Sunday morning, that's essentially church, mm-hmm. yeah, because um, we were doing it at a different location, right. and so we had to walk through that. And so, with mm-hmm. like almost accidentally, like just getting into youth ministry, now we've accidentally planted a church mm-hmm. and <laughs> trying to figure that out. But then you accidentally figure out that at at 29 
to 30 years old, I'm the oldest person at the church. That's not healthy. Mm -hmm. So then you accidentally find yourself merging that church back to RVF, Mm -hmm. which was great in theory and very difficult in practicality, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then there was a transition, some more transition with our lead pastor at the time where he took an extended period of time off. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all sat in a staff meeting and thought he was going to appoint a different person to kind of lead while he was gone and he pointed it pointed at me Mm. and so we just kind of worked that out so it was a couple of years there Mm -hmm. um where we were kind of leading i say we because there were other people involved Mm -hmm. but leading rvf at the time Mm -hmm. and then our pastor at the time came came back and re-engaged and at that point we needed to figure out long term what was i going to do and so then um, I didn't know any of this, actually. Yeah, so the biggest need at the church at the time was administrative, and I had offered, well, I'll just, I don't need to be up front. I don't need to teach every week. I don't need to, like, whatever. Again, maybe fueled by some insecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just do whatever. Yeah, sure. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's a very good Christian thing to say. I'll right. serve wherever you want me to serve. Um, but I had been stirring about uh, the community of Gold Hill at that time, mm-hmm. which is where I kind of grew up, middle school, so on and so forth. Only back then we didn't call it middle school. It was junior high. It was right. not complicated. <laughs> we went to junior high. Junior high. 81, 83, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I had been stirring about that community out mm-hmm. there. and uh, But our biggest need at, at RBF at the time was administrative. And so I volunteered, like, oh, I'll just shift you come back engage as the lead pastor and i'll just Mm. shift to administration he goes yeah but what do you really want to do and so i told him well i mean i'd love to go to gold hill and see about the possibilities out there Mm. and at that time i remember uh at that time my pastor said no Mm. but i remember having a conversation i remember thinking the night before praying knowing that we were going to have a conversation about what are we going to do yeah and I remember in prayer feeling like no matter what what happens, don't fight, mm. which was weird because oh, yeah. I never had to fight him on anything. He always mm-hmm. he always let me do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. But this day he said no. And then I remembered, well, don't fight. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Wow. So we just continued to pray and figure yeah. it out. Long story short, he ended up on the way to something else, drove through Gold Hill, and mm-hmm. he changed his heart, and he realized, wow. oh, wait, it would be good. So mm. went out there, spent 10 years out there. Wow. And then did a couple of years. It sounds like prison. It wasn't. Did a couple of years at Hearts with a Mission mm-hmm. um, after my time in Gold Hill. And then um, had started going to Rogue Valley Christian Church. And um, very unexpectedly, he came and asked me if I would be interested in applying for an associate pastor job. So, mm. I, so we did that. They ended up hiring me. Didn't think they would. Mm. Um, and then... A year later, the lead pastor at the time, who was a younger guy, he resigned unexpectedly. So he asked me if I would do the interim thing, which of course, like whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever we can do to help. Yeah. And then, then they, seven years ago said, we'd actually just like to hire you. So yeah, that's kind of the Mm. long, there's a lot there, but that's it. Yeah. 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 You know, as a, as a young guy, that's a very encouraging story mm. because I feel like you, I was just thinking this morning and by this morning, I mean like two in the morning in bed, just kind of like, you know, you wake up, 
you're thinking about my life, thinking about my life and like these little uh, movements that feel disconjointed and disconnected and feel like, man, I feel like I'm wasting time. Mm-hmm. You know, I go here for a, for a stand and then I do this for yeah. a stand and what does it all mean? What's it connected for? And it's just so cool to sit in front of you today and see mm-hmm. that where the Lord has brought you mm-hmm. through nine years and seven years and two years and, you know, yeah. it's just so powerful to remember that there's a distinct direct plan, but yeah. it has different movements. You yeah. Know? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like, you know, I was recently, you know, you know this. I also just finally finished up at, at Pacific Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody's tuning in, it took 27 years to get an associate's degree. <laughs> I, I think it's a record, right? And everybody, I've had a lot of people go, that's the coolest story ever. And I'm like, yeah, unless it's your story, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and that's kind of the that's kind of the way it is, right? Yeah. Like, I, I can look back now and see God's hand and, mm. um, you know, leading and directing and working things out for good. All yeah. of those things in play. I can see it now looking back. In the middle of it, it's the same way. It feels stressful, anxious. I have no idea what I'm going to do. If this doesn't work, I'm in mm-hmm. trouble. Um, I don't want to sell insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I appreciate. I'm glad. Like I'm glad it could be an encouragement to people. Mm-hmm. Wasn't always encouraging. Right. There were times of fear and mm-hmm. wonder, and I don't even know. Uh, lots of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's really fun now, the space that I'm in now. You mentioned like I was Kenner's youth pastor. Well, it's really cool now is we're both, you know, pastoring churches that are a few blocks from each other, yeah. and it's fun to be able to come down and talk to a former youth guy who's a pastor now, mm-hmm. and. Say, I don't know, man, I need some advice. What do you think? Right. Mm, that's a, that's, that's so a, cool. some full circle generational stuff that, yeah. that I'm pretty sure people write books about. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is fun yeah. and probably Kenner will write a book about it. <laughs> I won't, but he will. And if he <laughs> does, true. I'll write, you know, a forward or a forward, something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let's get into the story. So, yeah. So the story is an interesting story as as Elijah mentioned earlier, uh, my whole life uh, been Darren Ratcliffe. Mm-hmm. My my mom married my stepdad when I was like six years old, and we all took his name, and mm-hmm. and it was it was that, and it was fine. They divorced 10, 15 years later, um, but that's just been it. But the you know my whole life I've lived knowing. So here's what I did know. I knew people ask me this all the time. Did you know anything? Mm-hmm. While I did not ever know nor meet my father for what ended up being 52 years, wow. ever since I can remember, I have known his name, mm-hmm. um, the story of what I was told on you know, those times and what went down, and then eventually I got a picture. Like I mm. still have it to this day. I've, oh. I've had it for probably 25 years, this little tiny, maybe two inch in diameter picture mm. of a man that I was always told that my mother had told me was my father, mm-hmm. but it's a picture from like 1970 wow. and it's, you know, an actual real picture that's uh-huh. grainy and, you know, and I can recall at different times with that picture, mm-hmm. you know, trying to look, are, do we look similar? Do we not look similar? Wow. I'm not quite sure if you, like if you Googled old Filipino men, I'd probably look like all of them, right? <laughs> so I, there was filled with insecurity, right? You, and that's kind of the story is, mm-hmm. like, I, I think as we talk about family and think about that, um, not having a father or never knowing your father. And in fairness, I've had a stepdad who's, who was 
who's still alive, happy with this whole story, excited about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in fairness to him, he did the best he could. And so, you know, you have to honor that, but there's still, so it's a weird tension. You want to honor the reality of the, your, your stepdad, but at the same time, there's an ache and a wonder and an anger and a hurt in your heart that never goes away. Mm. And so that obviously you try to deal with that your whole life. And so, you know, anybody that has known me for any length of time Mm -hmm. now would probably be able to say, oh, that's what that was. It was actually connected to whether it was, you know, uh, overstepping or, you know, being challenging or, you know, I've always kind of had this thing, like, no matter what, I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I belong. Right. That's Mm -hmm. all connected to all of those things. And when it's healthy, you do, you overachieve. Right. Right. When you're not healthy, you just hurt people. Mm. Right. To find positions and power and whatever. So, because you think that maybe this next thing, or maybe, you know, somebody will have to see you as legitimate. And so that's always, that was always for me Mm. whole life. As long as I can remember running in the background, you know, I grew up here in the Valley in the seventies and, uh, it was a weird time, man. And you, you, at that time, you know, I remember growing up, there was constant reminders that I was not different in a weird way, but just, I mean, visibly different. My, I have two half brothers from my mom and they both have blue, blue eyes and blonde hair. Mm -hmm. And fair skin. Yeah. I do not. Mm-hmm. And so there's this constant reminder. Family pictures right. are a constant reminder that, you know, my family could have had a foreign exchange student. And in reality, no, that's <laughs> me, the oldest son, right? Uh-huh. Constant reminders, you know, it was the 70s and the 80s, different times. So people would mm-hmm. say things mm-hmm. that remind you that you're different. I remember back in the day, and I wanted to be careful with this because, you know, if we review history according to the context of today, Back in the day, a lot of bad things happened, but I remember in the in the back in the day, just thinking, oh, I'm just different, right? Mm. But I remember there used to be a restaurant downtown called Sambo's, and it was kind of a Jungle Book ripoff, <laughs> but it was called Sambo's. Sambo's, and their their uh, mascot character, uh-huh. main guy, was a little at the t- like little Indian boy, uh-huh. uh, the country Indian boy, uh-huh. who was kind of a ripoff from Mowgli from the Jungle Book, right? Uh, yeah, and I remember <clears throat> my buddies, and I've called them on this, I've talked to them, and I'm like, that was so mean, man. <laughs> oh, no. But they called me Little Sambo Boy. <laughs> oh, no. And at the time, it was just, you're different, <laughs> right? Right. And now looking back, you're like, that's not cool, man, <laughs> right? So there was all kinds of like little accidental yeah, little... racist things, mm-hmm. um, but it was more, it was just accidental bigotry more than anything. It was just accidentally, like awkward ways of trying to communicate and trying to reconcile. We're all different, right? Yeah. Um, but it, you know, that stuff kind of, kind of adds up. You know, at one point, Certainly. speaking of the Jungle Book, I was in the fourth grade, uh-huh. and I remember we were in school. I was always nervous and always, you know, insecure, and I was in the fourth grade and. Somebody came in the classroom where I was at and talked to the teacher. And then the teacher said, Darren, you need to come and talk to this person. And I mm-hmm. thought I was in trouble. I wasn't in trouble. They were just informing me that I was going to, they wanted me to play the lead in the upcoming school play choir uh-huh. uh, performance. And they were selling it to me. I laugh about it now, but uh-huh. I remember it was such a big deal and they were so excited for me. Well, the school play was The Jungle Book. 
<laughs> I'm the only one in school that could play the lead. Mm. I was the only brown kid in the class, right? And so you look <laughs> at it back and you're like, oh my gosh, right? Uh, don't get me wrong, it was cool. Everybody else on that school play, they had to wear their nice sweaters and pants and I got to go in and brown corduroy cutoffs, no <laughs> shoes, no shirt, no nothing to be this wild jungle kid. Uh -huh. So it's, it's super funny, those experiences, but then when you start putting them all together as you get older and you start thinking about life, being a little more introspective mm. and self-aware, you start realizing, man, I got a lot of personality deficiencies. And mm. you start, if you if you take some time to start trying to figure those out, mm -hmm. then you start connecting some of these dots. And, and, and I wanna be really clear, you connect dots that involve people who were well-meaning and not mean, in most cases. Yeah. And so there was that, so I was, that's kind of the existence, right? Had you placed the, the, I guess, central reason of the insecurity? Like, did you know until, like, as a kid where the insecurity was coming from? Or it was just there and it wasn't until more recently that, that you knew, okay, this is probably, you know, family related. Yeah, probably more recently. Okay. As a kid, the, the insecurity and then the, the like, like, performance driven trying to overachieve in mm -hmm. everything right that as a kid i would have identified as being a little kid i was small mm -hmm. um still not a very big guy so i was small mm -hmm. and so you, you so small brown mm -hmm. different yeah and so as a kid you just kind of connected it you to just that put those dots together yeah. yeah that makes sense then you later realize well there's a reason i'm small and brown mm -hmm. it's connected to um, a genetic reality is to, it's connected to a man <laughs> uh, that I had never met and mm -hmm. there was no if, up until just recently there was no way that that was ever going to happen mm -hmm. yeah there was no like I don't where do you even start in 1970 1980 1990 early 2000s 2010s where do you start wow. like I don't even I don't even know Wow, that's a good point because it is the technology that has come available in the past 10, 5, 10 years yeah. is, has changed the game entirely, hasn't it? Absolutely changed the game. Okay, so, yeah. So I recall about 10 years ago, and this uh -huh. starts getting, like you have to go back 10 years to get to now. Yeah, certainly. But I recall it ten, about 10 years ago with Helping Hands, I was on a missions trip in Africa. Mm -hmm. And we went over to Kenya where they go and did some work for a couple of weeks. And then a buddy of mine, a very close friend of mine, and Ron with Helping Hands, we ended up, while the team went home after our work in Kenya was done, we went over to Uganda to visit a missionary that we, as a church in Gold Hill, were supporting. Mm -hmm. So we went over to visit. And while we were there, we had a day, we had a down day. Mm -hmm. And we were staying at a decent little place that had internet. Mm -hmm. And my buddy one day, while we were, it was a down day, we're sitting at, sitting beside a pool that I was too afraid to get into because I didn't want any germs to get on me. So terrible, right? But while we were sitting there one day, my buddy looks at me and goes, hey, let's get on the internet and find your family. Wow, just out of nowhere? Yeah, I mean, we've, you know. Uh, he knows you, he knows Yeah, we've known history. each other since we were 17, 18 years yeah. old. So I laughed at him like, yeah, right, we're not gonna find anything. However, it was interesting. It was probably the first time I'd ever done done a deep dive because remember, I'd known a story, which the story was connected to a place, Long Beach, California. Okay. Okay. So that now so we're narrowed somewhere. down to a region. Yeah. And I know a name. Mm -hmm. a last and 
Did yeah. you have a first name? I had a first, middle, and last name. Oh, Felix great. Tomoya Familiarcano. Okay. Um, so I knew I knew a name. Yeah. Um. So, we get on the internet and we start digging, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, much to my surprise, then about a half an hour, we were on, mm. like clicking on. A Felix Familiarcano in Long Beach around the right time frame. Wow. And I remember my buddy was just stoked, like, right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we said stoked back then, but he was excited <laughs> um, and smiling, like, mm-hmm. told you. And I'm like, no way, no way. And how, we, how are you feeling in that moment? Are you stoked? Terrified. Or, yeah. That's terrified. Like, yeah, like, like, so it's, it's the weird feeling. Have you ever had the feeling like you want to be super excited about something, but you can't trust it, and so you stay away from it? Yes, absolutely. So whatever that feeling is, probably anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Nervous or whatever. That's the way I was feeling. Like, mm. it seems too good to be true. Yes. And so you may be even self-sabotaging. Like, A little bit. Mentally, like, yeah, this yeah, could yeah, be, like, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe I don't want to do this. Yeah. yeah. So then it came down, and my buddy wasn't giving me any chance, any choices. Like, uh, we were on a fine, he was like, you're the the find your family bully. Like he's not giving me a choice. You're going to do this. So we, we clicked one more click uh-huh. and that click ended up showing a death certificate oh my for Felix Tomoya Familiarcano in Long Beach. And so it stopped like, okay, all right. So he mm-hmm. died. Now I know. And this was 10 years ago. Now connected to that was, also identifying a couple of half brothers, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even know how you go about reaching out, right? Right, because at the time there's still Facebook, mm-hmm. right? Uh, email. Uh, I'm sure they had an AOL <laughs> account. <laughs> um, I thought that would be funny, and as I said it out loud, it wasn't that funny. Um, but how do you even go about? Like, oh, hey. You may not know this, but, Hmm. and I've never, like in the whole process, like I never wanted to blow up anybody's life and ruin anybody's Mm -hmm. narrative or mess up anyone's existence. So I didn't reach out, just let it go. Found a Mm -hmm. father, I think. It appears that he died. That's that. Mm -hmm. Kind of a bummer, um, because in that process, you know, at that time, I had three kids, and those processes are weird because you got to answer health questions, and I don't know half. Mm. And you, you know, you wonder like aches and pains or different things. If anybody knows me, they know my handshake, and you wonder where does that come from. Mm. Nobody knows. Like, mm. is this genetic? I don't know. There's no way to find out. And it was always kind of a bummer, and always kind of a bummer for my older kids too, right? Mm. They had limbo land, right, in the mm. sense of not knowing. Yeah. So. You work through that, and that was kind of the end. It was over, and so you kind of make your peace with it, right? Yeah. Uh, whatever. I don't. I don't know if it's actually. It's not. If you're making peace with it, it's not a feeling of peacefulness, right? Mm, it's not peaceful. Mm. It's just kind of well, that's a bummer. Yeah. But we gotta keep on keeping on. Yeah. Right. So, that was that. So. Wow, that's so kind of brutal. Because yeah. It, I yeah, mean, you're making peace with something you don't really even fully understand. It's don't like, understand. It's you like don't... you're burying a, a grave. You don't know what's in it. A coffin, I guess. Yeah, you're in a. Co- yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're mm-hmm. in a. You're like in one sense, you're in a conflict where you're required to make a peace treaty, mm-hmm. and you don't have a choice about any of it. Right. So is that really a peace treaty? Mm-hmm. It's not, but it is. Yeah. 
like you got to make your peace with it. What what other choice do you have, right? Because again, I'm not messing. I'm I didn't want to mess up anybody's life, mm-hmm. right? I didn't want to just knock on the door and go, "Hey, surprise, bro!" Like mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. Right. People have lives and they have experiences, and I don't know what they know or what they didn't know or who knows what. And so, right out of respect, mm-hmm. and I think to be completely honest, that desire. And I don't want to sound because I'm a I'm kind of a wreck personality and I got my own issues, but I think that desire of like being respectful for somebody else's life and not wanting to mess anybody else's life, I mm. think that's a like I've I've wondered like where did that it's gotta be the reality of God, right? Because mm. in that process, at some point when in on June fourth of nineteen eighty nine, I accepted Christ in my life and he's in one sense that that whole concept of the father it it was different for me like that's a real thing for me because while i may not have an earthly one i'm going to believe by faith that i have a heavenly one and that makes a difference and so you got to believe like there's there's the reality of the transformative work of god in your life to come to a place to where you're like well no i don't want to push this anymore because i don't want to hurt anybody Mm -hmm. right that's either i'm a really nice guy and i'm just not or it's the reality of God in your life, right? Yeah. It's the presence of God. And I, yeah, I got to yeah. believe that that's what it is. Because mm. it'd be a miss if in the whole story you don't real, you don't acknowledge the reality of God in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Even though maybe, like we've had conversations, like, Lord, this is, this is not necessarily what I would have wanted or asked for. Yeah. You know, especially at that time where you find you find out what you think is your father and you find out that he's passed away. All right, Lord, what is that? That's not that's not three minutes ago what I thought was happening, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. So you gotta trust that whole way through. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get what reinstated this? Because so you, you think your your father's passed away. Yeah. And was there a moment when you thought maybe he's not? No. No? No. Wow. No. I assumed he had died. So what happened then, you fast forward a few, a, a, a little bit. Uh-huh. So basically three years ago, I was talking to a buddy and he was a buddy who would always give me a bad time. Like, wait, what are you again? Right? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, what do you mean? What am I? I'm a man. No, 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 no. <laughs> what are you? Well, I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. What are you? <laughs> oh, well, I think I'm Filipino. Right? Because at that time, it's just theory, right? Because that's just based on the story that your mom's told you your whole life. Uh-huh. However, in Southern Oregon for my whole life, uh, more often people assume that I'm Hispanic, mm-hmm. which I don't have a problem with. Right. I even told my mom at one point, hey mom, if I'm Hispanic, it's no problem, you can just tell me. Uh-huh. Crushed her, she was so hurt by me even questioning. I thought it was a pretty funny joke, uh-huh. but <laughs> she did not, I touched a nerve, and she was like, you, do you think I would lie to you? And I'm mm. like, no, 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 mom, everybody thinks I'm Mexican. Yeah. Like I'm just saying, it's okay with me. I don't have an issue with mm-hmm. with anyone. Yeah. She goes, no, you really are Filipino. But it's still just kind of theory. And so this buddy of mine was always asking me, what are you again? Just mm-hmm. giving me a bad time, right? Yeah. As you review it, like talking to Elijah and telling the story, you're like, man, there's a lot of inappropriate things. <laughs> I was thinking it. Yeah, there's a lot. I got, <laughs> these friends are always inappropriate. But it wasn't like that, right? It was uh-huh. a, you know, in the context of our relationship, it was just bantering back and forth. Right. And I go, well, I'm Filipino. At least that's what I think and he goes oh well you know what in it was funny this friend in his life so you fast forward oh, i'm filipino so three years ago for my birthday 
he gave me a 23andMe mm -hmm. DNA test, yeah. which I was vaguely familiar with, but would have never pursued on my own. Yeah. Right? Yeah, certainly, yeah. Um, there's a lot to that. But he gave me this test, and when he gave me the test, he goes, I'm giving this to you because he had been told his whole life that he was part native. Mm. And then some years before, he had taken a DNA test because he wanted to find out mm -hmm. what tribe, what nation, what area, and all of those mm -hmm. things. Yeah. And the test came back and he was zero. Really? Zero percent native, all English. Wow. Yeah, and so we laughed. It was over. kind of like an expensive gag gift <laughs> in the sense of like, yeah, let's see, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And so I remember thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I'd never buy one on my own, but okay, now we have it. And I remember thinking, all right, I'll do it. And then the time came like a couple days later, well, let's do it. And I didn't do it mm. because the whole reality of it hit. Like I'm in the off in my office by myself and the concept of doing it, it sounds great, mm -hmm. but the reality of doing it and, and depending on what that thing shows, I only saw negatives. Mm. So what if... What if it comes out that I'm not Filipino like I'd always been told over and over and over? Well, that's a big issue now. Or what if it comes out that you are and you have the opportunity to find some family, but they want nothing to do with you mm. or they don't buy it. Yeah. Even though we all know, according to the movies, DNA doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. Well, and science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... So I didn't take it for months. Mm -hmm. I just left it on my desk. I didn't wow. do it. And then one day, uh, I don't know, tired, emotional, overwhelmed, insecure, whatever, I decided to to take it. I sent it off. I can't even remember. I don't. People have asked me, well, how long does it take to get back? And I'm like, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. All I know is that eventually I got an email with results. And as it turns out, I was 49.98% Filipino. Mm -hmm. Which was great, because yeah, then in that moment, I went from theoretically fin Filipino to genetically mm -hmm. Filipino, mm -hmm. which was enough for me at the time. Yeah. Okay. Must have felt really good. Yeah. Just yeah. To, to know something. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. 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 So it's, so it's funny. I have a little Filipino tattoo on me uh -huh. that was done years before. And uh, when it was genetically Filipino, I was like, okay, good. <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't have to get that covered up or right. explained away or figured out. I'm like, okay, we're okay, right? Mm -hmm. So then, uh, so that was it. And I just said it there. I, now, at the time, you know, with your email, you can sign up for an app. So I did that. And you start looking and reading and finding out more about maybe the region that you're from and so on and so forth. And maybe even people and whatnot. And. Um, if you have family members that have taken the test, they'll connect you, right? And so I was told through the app, like, you have this person who's a seventh cousin. And then you try to do the family tree, and it's like, that's impossible. I have no idea. <laughs> and and I don't mean this, I don't mean this, just naively. I thought, well, there's probably a pretty good chance I'm related to a lot of seventh cousins in the Philippines, like <laughs> probably half an island. Like, you know, how does that work? And so right. for me, it didn't really mean anything. Sure. Like, I don't know. Like, how would you even track that right. down? Yeah. Right? Hey, I hear we're like 12th cousins. Well, how does that work? I don't even know, right? <laughs> right. So I didn't do anything with it mm -hmm. for three years. Just went from theoretical, theoretically Filipino to genetically Filipino. And that was good enough for me because I thought that my father 
had died. Mm. And didn't want to mess anybody's family up. In the meantime, don't forget, throughout this whole narrative, I have a family and a job and a life and things to do. But there's still the constant undercurrent of hurt, wonder, pain. And it's interesting, you would think that as you got older, maybe that would lessen, but it didn't. It just got more, right? Um, go through a couple of crises in life and it just all rises to the surface and you start trying to figure all of this out. Mm. You mentioned earlier was as, as, as a, as a kid, was the insecurities related to this or was it more other things? It was other Mm. things, but as an adult, you, you begin to narrow it down to Mm. like, I got some issues in life Mm -hmm. and in order to solve them, in order to actually get them all healed up, it's going to require a little bit more than just a a band-aid you got to go find out what's really going on and see Mm. if you can heal that hurt so then you get it down to that and so then you tell yourself all right lord i trust you you're gonna work that out so i just Mm -hmm. let it go Mm -hmm. so then that brings us to july i guess Mm -hmm. so in july it was a friday morning i was watching tv ESPN to be exact (laughs) and they had this documentary called uh, The Stranger and Me no 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 The Imposter and Me Mm -hmm. Uh, so long story short the story's about this guy back in the late 70s early 80s who would dress up as pro sports team members and like get into a basketball game and on the court or get into a football game uh-huh. almost got his picture taken with the major league all-star team one year <laughs> but he was just an imposter it was kind of a big gag gift practical Th- that's joke hilarious. and it was back in the day where you yeah. could pull it off and not get beat up arrested or right. thrown in jail right where everybody saw, it was just good natured fun uh-huh. right and i'm watching it because i this is intri- i remember as a as a young person i remember this guy yeah Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to me. Yeah. I'm a sucker for sports documentaries, right? But about halfway through, the, the whole story turns, and I didn't see it coming. And the whole story turns. This The real story is, or the main story is, this guy was, he and his wife had three kids, and they had always wished they would have had more, but it was mm-hmm. kind of too late. So they decided they made a decision to do whatever they could to help other families have kids. So he became a sperm donor. Mm-hmm. But this is late 70s, early 80s. And if youth ministry in the 90s was the Wild West, Mm. in the donor world in the late 70s, early 80s, it was really the Wild West. So they would tell him, we're going to use your donation for like three families and then use it for 30. So the real story... Wow. Yeah. They would tell him three and then they would use it. Wow. Yeah, because they could make more money. Oh, my God goodness that's wild it's terrible can you imagine that absolutely not i was watching it going this is insane wow however what happened was these kids they would call themselves donor kids Mm -hmm. of this guy they all started to research their lives Mm. a couple of them got really into like ancestry and then they started figuring out wait my dad's not my dad the dad i've known my whole life is not my dad they didn't even know no in most cases yeah so then this one lady, Facebook group, blah, 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 long story short, they end up finding a bunch. So 
the end of the documentary is essentially 35 donor kids having a reunion. They they guess that there might be as many as 60 kids. Wow. Right? All his kids. All his kids. In that's all a result of his donation. Yeah. <clears throat> but the reunion was with 35 kids who had made their peace with it all. Wow. Who uh, it, it was actually really sweet like it only caused them to love their mom and dad that they grew up with even more mm. because of what they were willing to do in order to bring them about. Yeah. But then also they loved what this man was willing to do back in the seventies, eighties. Mm. And, and, and then also they loved that in some strange and interesting way they had siblings half. Mm. And so they're, like the end of it, like they're showing, and everybody's happy. Like I said, the the thirty five that show up at the mm-hmm. reunion were good with it all, and they're talking to their half brothers and sisters, and blown away by like we actually look alike. And wow. one of them, couple of them, there's this really fun clip where one of them's like, "Wait, you don't like tomatoes? I don't like tomatoes, <laughs> right?" Uh-huh. And Elijah, I kid you not, I'm watching this. And I'm just bawling my eyes out. I'm just crying because it's so beautiful for these kids and yet painful for me because it's weird because it hit a nerve like right. I'll never, yeah. like anybody in that's ever gone through that, that's like how beautiful is that? And you want mm. that. But for me, I'm like, oh, that's never going to happen. So I'm crying. My wife, Bethany, asked me, she's like, why are you crying? And I'm like, this is so <laughs> emotional. <laughs> and I will admit this as I've turned 50 and now 52 I'm a way more, I'm a crier. I just cry <laughs> anything. Glad, sad, in between, I'm crying, right? Uh-huh. So I'm just crying. And the, the documentary's over. And I just had this moment where I proclaimed to Bethany, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to find some family. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and she just, it was so funny because she laughed at me, but uh-huh. not like, she just laughed like, <laughs> Okay, because uh-huh. it's up to that point an impossibility. Mm. Like, right, where do you even start? And then, it, and we add that, like, where would you even start? And I go, I don't know, the internet? Well, wait, wait, wait. I'll go back on the app. Mm. I kid you not, this is a Friday. I open up the app and it said, uh, I had a notification. The notification says you have not just a relative, but you have a close relative. Wow. So I clicked on it and it was a first cousin. Mm. And I was really nervous. Yeah. And I, I looked at Bethany and I was like, first cousin. Cause I don't, like on my mom's side growing up, we don't have a really close tight knit family, uh-huh. right? You're like, what does that even mean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I looked at her and I go, first cousin, that's like, you like, those like, you do barbecues uh-huh. with first cousin. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, that's close. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know, Elijah, what changed because remember earlier, 10 years earlier, it's like, I don't want to mess up anybody's life. Mm. I don't want to, screw up anybody's deal but this is a first cousin it's not a half brother so mm-hmm. there's a little di- it's close sure, but maybe yeah. there's some distance and maybe mm-hmm. i can find out some information yeah so maybe it was just the motivation of the documentary and tears and emotion and like i'm gonna do it the sun was shining through the window everything was the perfect environment mm-hmm. so i was mm-hmm. like you know what i'm gonna do it And so through the app i sent a message to the first cousin and as it turns out, a second cousin, which at the time I didn't know was the first cousin's daughter. And what I also didn't know at the time is that they, the daughter lives with her mother. And and so that'll come, that'll be a huge wow. factor. Okay. 
So I send these messages. You can send through the app. They let through the app. Let you do, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, because if you don't do it through the app, again, technology. Yeah. 23andMe unlocks the whole thing. So or cool. other DNA type apps or right. uh, products. It unlocked everything because if it's coming through the app, there's a whole, you know that the other, the only reason I got connected to the first cousin is they had taken the 23 mm -hmm. and me as right. well. And so, you know, like if there's a connection, there's some connection. It's a legitimate connection. Exactly. Right. Yep. However, the first cousin's a little older and mm -hmm. she's, according to her daughter, classic Filipino woman who's <laughs> absolutely paranoid of scams. <laughs> so she got my message, but ignored it, assuming I was a scammer. That's hilarious. However, the second cousin, who is a younger generation, mm -hmm. not afraid of scams. So on Sunday, mm -hmm. I so this happened on Friday, I sent, sent out a couple of messages. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I've been told. This is what I'm trying to find out. Just trying to find out more about mm -hmm. family and heritage. Yeah. Not, I don't want anything. I'm not looking for it, yeah. just information. Yeah. So the second cousin on Sunday evening I checked the app again and she had messaged back. Mm. And so then that turned into a conversation back and forth. This is what I know. This is the name I've been told. Does any of that ring a bell? Because she recognized the last name, Familiar Kahano, but she didn't recognize first name or middle name. Mm. She And so she said, I don't really know anybody in our family with that name. The Felix. Felix yeah. and Tomoya. But she said, let me, let me talk. Let me talk to my mom. She knows more. Uh -huh. I did. I do have an uncle Gene who was from Long Beach, but his name is Gene, so mm -hmm. I don't think that's it. Mm. But let me talk to my mom. She knows more. Yeah. I said great. What I didn't know is that her mom was in the other room and she was going to start talking to her right then and there. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that because <laughs> yeah. in, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, so we'll a couple weeks. Couple yeah. weeks, we'll find something else out. She messages me right back. You're never going to believe this. I told you I had an uncle Gene from Long Beach. Uh, that's my mom's uncle. And my mom said, his name is Felix. Oh, my goodness. Tomoya. Wow. Family Arcano. So then I'm like, hey, um, this app is clunky. Could I just call you? Uh -huh. She goes, like, of course. So I, st I called her. We started talking. Yeah. And that's when she said, my mom's just thinking you're a scammer. She's mm -hmm. just not sure about all of this. And I said, that's fair. I said, I'll tell you what. Because the second cousin, by this time, she's in her mind, she's like, she even sent me a message. I think my uncle Gene might be your father. And in my mind, I'm like, impossible because he died. Right. Of course you're thinking that. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Oh, gosh. I didn't know this piece about it. That's crazy. It's crazy. So the whole time I'm like, oh. I don't like I, I don't even know, right? Yeah. So I call her. I start talking to her. And I'm like, well, I don't think that I don't know because and I tell her the story of 10 years before finding a death certificate for for Felix to, family Arcano and she goes no 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 my mom says that his name is Uncle Gene because he's a junior and his dad was Felix Familicano whoa and she's like you found your grandpa 10 years ago who had just died that is wild blown away so now we're like whoa, whoa wait like you mean, I was just trying to find information. I might actually find a father. Like that's a weird deal trying to yeah. wrap your mind around. But there was still some, my first cousin didn't really buy it, was still really nervous. What if it's a scam, so on and so forth. So I told, told my co second cousin, I told her, look, I've got a picture 
I've told you the story. Mm -hmm. We've got a name. Why don't I send you a copy of the picture tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Cause it was in my office. I go, why don't I send you a picture tomorrow? Mm -hmm. She goes, yeah, that would be great. Well, in the meantime, she starts sending me pictures of her uncle Gene. Mm -hmm. And Elijah, it was so crazy. I opened up the first picture and Bethany's right by my side this whole time, which by the way, this whole time I'm also communicating with my mom, making sure she's okay with everything with my stepdad, with my kids and everybody's all on board. So people have asked, well, what about, and I go, no, 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 no. I brought everybody along with me and everybody was up to speed and out of respect for everybody else. I didn't take any steps that they would not be okay with. Like I wanted in, you know, these are my family yeah. here. So mm -hmm. They all understood though. You yeah. got to find out if you can find out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do remember at one point relaying to my mom, I'm pretty close. I think we're close. And she called me and she says, okay, if you're close, I got to tell you something. Mm. And yeah. I had wow. that same reaction. Like, wait, what? <laughs> you're like, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. 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 What are you going to tell me? Yeah. And because I love my mom, I won't go into it, but what she told me was nothing I didn't know. Mm. It was what it was nothing I didn't put together on my own. Kind of confirmed your Yeah, yeah. For me, she she if she felt like it was this big secret yeah. that she needed to tell me. But for me in doing the math mm -hmm. and thinking about everything, it was nineteen seventy. Yeah. As it turns out, sixty nine. Mm -hmm. She was twenty two. Mm -hmm. My father was twenty nine. They were single. It's Long Beach. None of them are Christians. Right. So she didn't tell me anything yeah, that I didn't so. already figure out. And I was able to go, oh, mom, don't. Yeah. It's do not. I do not have any problem with that at all. You're fine. Because she had told me a different story my mm -hmm. whole life, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, 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 no. You're fine. Don't mm -hmm. even don't even be embarrassed or, or worried about that at all. I don't think less of you or any of those things, right? Mm -hmm. But in talking to my mom, there were three pieces of information that first cousin and second cousin didn't know that I had to get confirmed before I would buy in. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, second cousin sending me pictures and Bethany looks and goes, that's the guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, what guy? <laughs> don't, don't, it's overwhelming. What guy are we talking about? And I'm like, are you saying that's my dad? And she goes, no, I don't know, but I do know that's the guy in the picture. Yeah. She goes, that's the guy. I go, what guy? She goes, the guy in the picture you have only older. Wow. That's the guy. Yeah, even Bethany saw it. Yeah, Bethany saw it right away. Wow. And, and and even Bethany's like, and you look like him. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh -huh. So then on the phone all night long doing side-by-side -side comparisons because my cousin ended up sending me a bunch of pictures, which was really cool, mm -hmm. right? Did you send her the picture as well? The next day. Okay, the next day. So the next day, so Friday, I'm going to find some family. Mm -hmm. Sure you are. Sunday, start talking to a cousin. Wow. Monday, send a picture. She immediately calls me back and says, I showed the picture to my mom. Mm -hmm. She immediately said, yeah, that's my uncle Gene and she wants to call you now. So she's ready, she's in. Yeah, that's she sees yeah. picture, story, mm -hmm. DNA. It's yeah. the DNA, it's 23andMe. Without any of that, you can argue everything. Yeah. And that's what she was talking to her. My cousins were talking about to each yeah. other. Well, the story, okay. The picture, I mean, there's a lot of ways to get a picture, mm -hmm. but the DNA, mm. like there's no getting around it. According yeah. to 23 and Me, they're my cousins, yeah. and their uncle is a man named Felix Tomoya Famularcano. Mm. But nobody in the family knew anything. They didn't know about 
like the possibility that Uncle Gene had another long lost kid. None, none of them knew that. Mm-mm. So that opens up an entire can of worms for this whole family. For sure, for sure. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know the whole, and, and as you can imagine, through the whole like at this point, you're like, okay, Lord, I do not know what's going on. Yeah. Help me to be chill. Help me to trust you. Protect my heart. Mm. Because at this point, you still have the possibility that, yeah, you can find it, but it goes real bad. Real bad, like, we want nothing to do with you. Right. Real bad, like, stay away. Real mm. bad, like, how dare you? Yeah. So I don't know. Like, Lord, working everybody, you know, yeah, the whole deal. So uh, my cousin calls me on Monday afternoon, and we talk for an hour. And by the end of the conversation, and I had asked her the three things that my mom had told me that were very specific things about him Mm -hmm. and she didn't know so i'm still like "Eh, i don't know then Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know you know as you can imagine emotionally you're like i don't know anything i'm not sure what to think i don't know i don't even know like i don't know but at the end of the phone call she said to me she said yeah i'm 99 percent sure that Mm. my uncle gene is your father so she says so what do you want to do and i said what do you mean what do i want to do she goes do you want to call him and i said (laughs) <laughs> no no I don't want to call him mm-hmm. I said I don't want to ambush anyone mm-hmm. right because yeah. calling him at that point to me felt like too intrusive and too much of an ambush yeah. and what I had found out through talking to my cousin is that she uh, though she lives in Hawaii and as it turns out my father lives in the Bay Area <laughs> um, she calls him once a week and they talk mm-hmm. so she has a habit of talking to him so yeah. I said why don't you call him? And she says, mm-hmm. okay, but I don't even know what I would say. And I said, just tell him the story. That's really wise. That's cool. Yeah. Just yeah. tell him the story. Yeah. See what happens. Mm-hmm. She goes, okay, I'll do it. But again, I don't know. Is she going to do that mm-hmm. next week? Is she going to do that right now? I don't know. Well, she called him, started calling him immediately. And I have since learned, uh, spoiler alert, I've met him, spent mm-hmm. time with him. It's been really great. Um, none of the worst case scenarios have been, they've all been the best case scenario. Wow. But as I found out my, my, my pops, I just call him my pops. Now he's on the phone constantly to relatives in Phil- in the Philippines. So he's almost impossible to get a hold of. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I usually end up texting my half, my, my brother. I usually end up texting him. Hey, have pops, give me a call. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's on the phone. Um, well, she can't get a hold of him. Well, eventually she talks to him mm. and then so she calls me back on Tuesday night she calls me back said I talked to my uncle Gene mm. and he's your dad he remembers Wow. he remembers your mom wow. and he remembers hearing that she had a baby so he he knew yeah yeah, yeah. but again like right. 1969 oh, 70 because yeah, not... a lot of people ask me well did you have a problem with that no, no. not at all he had a family by then like, I mean, how do you even do it? It's awkward. Yeah. Right. And so, um, she said he'd like to call you tomorrow if that's okay with you. And I said, yeah, it's okay. That's gotta be such a crazy feeling for your dad too. Yeah. It, well, he was f- overwhelmed with guilt and shame, mm. which we walked through on the phone. Wow. But for me, it was like, okay, will he really call? Mm. Is that really going to happen? As you can imagine, now it's like the longest 18 hours of my life. Like, is he really going to call? I don't know. What do we even say? How do we even start? 
like I don't I, ugh, I don't even know so on the one hand you're like everything's like yeah 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 let's do this let's do this till you're right up to it and then you're like oh man I don't know if I can handle this right mm-hmm. um because she told me that he remembers and he's super disappointed mm-hmm. and he's sad and I was like whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. is he sad and she goes no he's sad because you had to go this whole your whole life without knowing anything and I go no 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 it's okay and have, like all along with different relatives I've you know the relatives have always want, how are you okay like what do you mean it's okay like this would be devastating mm-hmm. and I said no 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 it's okay and I've been able to share the reality of um, my relationship with the Lord with people and how that actually transcends everything mm-hmm. like well no it's Is it okay? Yeah. I mean, do I have issues? Yeah. I mean, is there things that the Lord's working on? Yeah. Is there, you know, trying to deal with the insecurity and all of that? Yeah. Mm. But I have this relationship with the Lord. And because of that, there's a belief in like belonging and value. And, you know, I I, I haven't had to exist in the margins. I've been okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So you get to share that with people. And so, yeah. So he called. And I talked to him for an hour that day and I asked him the three things that I needed that I needed before I would give in emotionally a hundred percent to this is it. Mm-hmm. And by then I'm sharing pictures and my wife and best friends. Remember my friend from that was in Africa with me. I'm showing him a picture. He's like, yeah. dude, that's yes. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> and it, it's so funny. I mean, we Googled uh, just, I, I think it's just dealing with it and, you know, uh, just, I don't know. Everybody copes with everything in different ways. So yeah. we Googled old Filipino men <laughs> and looked at pictures. Uh-huh. I didn't look like any of them, but I did look like this guy. Wow. So you're like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So he called. We had a fantastic conversation. He confirmed the three things that I needed confirmed mm-hmm. that only. And when I asked him each one, he he answered yes, but then also said, how did you know that? Wow, okay. And yeah. I said, my mom. My mom told me I had to ask you these things. And so once that was it, it was like, mm, all right. And I was it. struggling. It, like, it was a weird conversation because now you're like, I don't know how to feel now. This is, wh- <laughs> what, right? Like, okay. Wow. So I asked him at one point now, like, because his name is Felix, but everybody calls him Uncle Gene. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I don't even know. What do, what do I call you? And he goes, you can call me dad. And it was funny. I was like, well, I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. You know, and probably won't ever be because I have a stepdad who I've always referred to as dad. Mm. And so what we've landed on is my pops. Mm. Uh, his son, uh, his other sons call him pop. Mm. Pop. And so pop. it yeah. just works. And so, That's so cool. we ended up talking the next day for another hour. Well, here's the... F- funny thing in that conversation i said look man if i were you if 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 you were me you would want to meet you mm. mm-hmm. and i only live five and a half hours away yeah and we're leaving monday for a vacation down in santa cruz which means we're going to drive right by you mm. wow i guess what i'm saying is can we meet and of course he said yes and i said well i'd like to talk to your other son first because there's there's another like there's other people right, involved right right and so i had great conversations with him 
And so we set up a meeting for that. So th- the time frame is Friday. I'm a fine family. By the f- by, just over a week later, I'm sitting in a restaurant down in the Bay Area mm. with a father that I had never met. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. And people have asked me, well, how was that? And I'll go ahead and yeah. communicate well, it. Was, I do want to know how that It was ridiculously be. awkward. That's yeah. how it was. It was so <laughs> awkward. I felt so bad for his other son. I felt bad for his 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 wife who didn't know. And yeah. all of a sudden now she's walking through this. Was this, were any of them there? Or was it just you and No, your, they were all there. They were all there. We were all there. Wow. I was there, Bethany, Ezekiel. And you're meeting all this family. All at once. At once. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is super awkward, awkward, but good. Yeah, but very awkward. And thankfully, we all we planned was a short little luncheon. Mm-hmm. And so after lunch, we took some pictures, which have become very special to me mm-hmm. now. And we went to Santa Cruz for a week and decompressed. Like, yeah, no kidding. Had to walk through it all, but yeah. because it went so well, we agreed that on our way back home the following Friday we'd meet for lunch again. And so we did. And the in the you know processing it all in santa cruz was really great maybe it's santa cruz i mean if you need to process some deep inner turmoil you might as well do it on a beach in santa cruz yeah. it's, it's a not a bad thing yeah that's great <laughs> um yeah um so we did and then we the following friday we met them again and had lunch again and then ended up actually going to their house and staying for dinner mm-hmm. so on your way back you guys yeah yeah with them. and that's when at that point you're like okay this is all good and uh his yeah. wife um was obviously irritated with him but very mm-hmm. kind and loving and great to us and uh my brother uh was super chill mm. and really really great yeah it's, uh, so questions I, there's so much here yeah i mean because you're meeting your father and your brother you know your yeah is he a half brother is that what you half brother half yep. brother yep there's so much family so much to process mm-hmm. not only for them but also for your wife and your yes. son and your yes. uh, older kids yeah. as well so yeah it's just i feel like i could go any amount of directions but what, one thing i have noticed and just hearing this all in one sweep mm-hmm. is just the guy that the lord's uh, hand upon all of this yeah it's just so cool you know to see how it's happened the little incremental steps that have led to this and then all at once it's like a watershed moment yes which is just really cool but the watershed moment leads to something right Mm -hmm. so i'll admit i am predisposed to selfishness Hmm. aren't we all i think so but i'm not gonna point the finger at you sure um Because in doing so, I would just try to lessen my own sense of selfishness, <laughs> and that's not cool to you, right? I think better of you. Mm-hmm. So, um, admittedly, um, and we've talked about this before, admittedly, the whole process was really about me. I needed this. Mm. I got to find this out. <clears throat> and because, like you mentioned, like the hand of the Lord through it all, mm. There was a distinct moment, especially after that second dinner when Bethany and Ezekiel and I, we were heading home and processing just this whirlwind week where like you go in in, in the span of 10 days thinking that you'll never meet family. Your father had died, so you're never going to meet him and you'll never know anything to Mm -hmm. now you're actually having lunch with not only your father, which is, again, go back to DNA picture story, all that stuff adds up and then 
um, you know, you're meeting them and they're not looking at you going, nah, I don't see it. They're actually like, oh, wow, yeah. Mm. Um, you're going through all of that and we're processing it all. And I had this realization that, you know, this, the floodgates are actually opened at mm. that point mm -hmm. because there's a realization of, wait a minute, here's this whole group of people that I get to share the joy of the Lord with. Mm. And I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but I've said it this way before. It's like, I went through the whole thing because I needed to know them. But as the Lord would have it, they need to know me too. Mm. And that was a weird thing for me. And, and, and it's not that they need to know me because I'm anything special or anything like that, but they need to know the God that I know. Mm. Um, and whether that's a reminder for them, a revelation for them, or an encouragement to them. Mm there's something to offer there. And that's an interesting thing, right? Because mm -hmm. then you start connecting insecurity and all of a sudden in the middle of it, God starts working you to a place of value. Like, well, wait a minute. My life does matter. Mm. Not because I'm accomplished or I've accomplished anything or I've done anything. I mean, let's be honest, right? It's 30 years of ministry in Southern Oregon. It's not that big of a deal. I, in the scope of the whole global reality, right? Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about faithfulness and all of that. And I love that. But, I mean, look, we do a live stream, and our YouTube channel's not blowing up, right? <laughs> you know, it's not that big. Like, we just love this group of people at church, yeah, right? Yeah. But then you recognize, well, wait a minute. There's a big deal. And the big deal is not me, mm. but it's my relationship with the Lord. The big yeah. deal is the Lord. And we get yeah. to share that. We get to share that. Um, and so things started shifting at that point, this realization of like, well, wait a minute. Not only is it good for me to be around them, it's good for them to be around me. It's good for us to be around each other, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really, really important as you bring up like the, the hand of God in all of this. It, that continues. Yeah, I was just down there last week and... Um, there was a big group of us hanging out in the garage, um, laughing and talking. And at one point, you know, my pops just kind of jumped in. He said, I'm glad you're here, Darren, hmm. because you make everybody happy. Wow. And I'm hmm. like, and we were down there in the midst of a tragic circumstance, but hmm. like that, like to me, it was almost as if God was saying, yeah, remember, hmm. this is not just about you. Hmm. This is about me. And my love for you and them mm -hmm. and anybody else, right? So that was, those, those things are huge. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. But it goes on. So people yeah. have asked, like, well, where, you know, I don't know how much time we have, but people have asked. We have got plenty of time. They're like, yeah. well, where, so now what? And how does this thing? And I, I it, it's an interesting thing because practical life, to be completely honest, not a lot's changed. I mean, I still live in Southern Oregon. Mm. Still get up. It's cold right now, right? Mm -hmm. Just like it is every year, yeah. right? The sun was shining through the, my room that one day where it was like, we're going to do this. Mm. You know, if it would have been this time of year, I probably would have been not even watching <laughs> TV and grumpy because it's cold and gloomy out, right. right? So real life goes on. Yeah, life goes on. And practically speaking, not a lot's changed. But at the same time, everything's changed. Right. Mm. Like everything's changed. Um, what do you mean by that? So that inner sense, 
like what was always a place of wonder on a good day, mm. hurt on a bad day, mm. anger on a really bad day, that mm. inner part of me that like, I never got, I don't have a father, blah, 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 blah. I remember being a teenager, having a conversation with a buddy of mine who was talking about what he was going to look like when he was older. And there was that realization, like, I have no idea. Mm. Wow. I don't know. Mm. And, and then, right, then once that box gets opened up, it's always open. Right. So now with all, like, at that point, from then on with all of my friends, I would always see their dad in them. Mm. And it was always painful. Like, yeah. ah. Eh. Right? Right. So I have found out as a result of meeting a bunch of Filipino family. I'm pretty Filipino because I do all <laughs> kinds of things like, ah. <laughs> and they all do that. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what? Tell me a little bit about your dad. What's he like? <laughs> who, who is he? You know? He's a tiny little Filipino man. Uh-huh. Uh, retired from the Navy. From uh, Navy. Was wow. a, a Navy cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a lot of struggles emotionally from the time he was in Vietnam. Uh, because he was a Filipino national in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Navy, um, well, I don't, I, I shouldn't say it that way. Um, his time in the Navy, specifically Vietnam, was very difficult. Mm-hmm. He had to do a lot of like things that you and I would not even imagine were things that had to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he struggles with a lot of that. Goes to the VA on a regular basis mm-hmm. to get some mental health help and try to work through some things. Yeah. Um, he, as I've, I've come to find out that the reason that there are probably thousands of Filipinos in the United States and specifically Southern California mm-hmm. is because he came over. Really? He was the first. Wow. I've, I've recently found all of this stuff out. He was That's the first crazy. Filipino. He was the first family Arcano. And then there subsequently uh, the first of many cousins and nephews and aunties and uncles. He was the first one to come over. And so... Wow. Um, there's a whole bunch of family in Southern California that, that I had a chance, I had an opportunity to meet and they made it very clear. If it wasn't for your dad, we wouldn't be here. Wow. He changed our lives. Mm. Um, that so there's that. So he's kind of like, a he's kind of like a godfather in mm-hmm. one sense, but because he kind of holds that space, mm-hmm. like, right. Like this special honor and, and it's a Filipino culture. So mm-hmm. the elders are honored. Yeah. It's beautiful really. Mm. But he he has some habits. He smokes a lot. Mm-hmm. And like as an 82-year-old man, there's a part of me that's like, hey, man, we can't do anything about the last 52 years, but we can about the future. Right, yeah. So your other sons and I would like you to stop smoking, <laughs> man. <laughs> but it's just his coping. It's the way he copes mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, yeah. He's uh, very relational. Uh, talks to lots of people mm. still plays golf I, I I had a chance to go play golf with him which was a lot <laughs> which of fun which is like one of your love languages yeah it's, <laughs> yeah golf is a love language for sure I took my daughter my youngest daughter mm. um, and we went down and she got to meet her grandpa and spend a whole day on a golf course with him mm. and her uncle yeah. uh, my wow. brother and that was fantastic um, yeah he's he's an interesting dude it's not perfect by any stretch but mm. i i think in reality you don't go into these things looking for a perfect story right yeah you just want the story right and i'm okay with whatever it is and i think part of that is there's a, a whole sense and i i would credit the lord like like the work that god does. i think we underestimate our the reality of our relationship with the lord on what it does for us mm-hmm. in 
in ways that we didn't even know he was doing until it comes out to where I didn't know I was okay till we're in a situation where you have to be okay with a bunch of things. And it's like, no, I'm really okay. So I go back to mm. some of those first conversations with him. He felt very ashamed and guilty for, because he said no child should ever have to mm. not know their father. And he was so sorry. And on three different occasions, I told him, it's okay. You don't have to apologize. Mm. Everything's fine. It's okay. Mm. And then finally, after the fourth time, I said, I forgive you. Wow. It's okay. And it was not because yeah. I needed to forgive him because I don't feel like I did. I don't yeah. think he did anything. He didn't hurt me. Right. Right? It was just circumstances. Yeah. Crazy life. It's yeah. the 1970s, right? 69, summer of love. So, okay. Yeah. But I realized in that moment he needed me to, like, just tell him it was mm. okay and yeah. tell him I forgive him. So I did. And so we kind of changed that. Yeah. yeah. He's received that. Yeah. Mm. But he always asked me. I don't know. Like, for him, he's like... I don't know how you're okay. Mm. And I've had a chance to say, well, you know what, pops, hmm. let me, let me explain. Yeah. I have a relationship with the Lord and he's done so much to make me okay. Mm. And that makes him nervous. You yeah. know, he's like, well, you know, I'm not really godly man. And I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to be. So what was that when, when you, when you meet all this family ask, what do you do for a living? So fun, man. Right. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like, cause eventually in all of those conversations, right. It always gets back to that. So right. what do you do? And I go, uh, so I, with my pops on the phone, he was asking, what is your life like? What do you do for a job and work? Mm -hmm. And da, 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 da. Yep. I've since come to find out that for a lot of Filipinos in Southern California, it's all about the, it's all about the appearance and all of that like fancy this fancy that sure, so it's funny uh -huh. because people have before called me their fancy little filipino friend which it, it used to annoy me but now like yeah proud yeah mm. that's who i am mm -hmm. i'm your fancy little filipino friend and i'm <laughs> fine with it but i've come to find out it's culture man like i'm just like the rest of them which by the way elijah i've never been just like anybody mm. right Wow. Yeah, that's a I wrote statement. something down yeah, earlier. Yeah. I said this. I was sharing with somebody the other day. I spent my whole life thinking I was a one-off. Mm. And you try to justify that. You try to be okay with that. You try to realize, okay, I'm just special, mm. right? I'm different. You know, I'm custom, whatever. Mm. But no matter how hard you try, your heart doesn't want to be a one-off. Right. Your heart wants to be a one-of. Mm. And the whole story is about going from being a one-off to a one-of. And the, and the beauty wow. of God's grace and love through it all. And so it comes out, so what do you do? And I said, well, I, I work at a church. Mm -hmm. Oh, like uh, janitorial? And of course I'm coy, so I'm like, well, sometimes. <laughs> well, what else do you do? What do you do at the church? And I go, oh, well. So finally I just let him know, well, I'm the pastor. And he said, so you like, uh, you have to wear collar? And I said, no, 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 Pops, different church. Yeah, different church. Different church. I get to wear whatever I want um, <laughs> within reason. And so, uh, you know, they're all uh, nominally Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so. Is that true? Is that kind of yeah, traditional Filipino? I, yeah, I found that out. Yeah, okay. it's the stereotype, but it's actually really true. Okay. So when the chips are down, they'll say they're Catholic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is fine with me. 
which is kind of what you were raised in, maybe? Just a nominally Catholic? No, I was raised in nothing. Nothing. Okay. Oh, well. Just th- midnight mass once a year, which is exactly. not really. Yeah, I guess it's less than nominally Catholic, sure. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's more just traditional. I guess that would be annually the, Catholic. Yeah, annually Catholic. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, that's yeah. what that would be. Yeah. Okay, so so they have an understanding of minute. Uh, probably like a parish and a priest yeah, and that kind of exactly thing. Yeah. yeah in his mind he was thinking priest yeah and i'm like yeah nobody calls me that mm-hmm. so <laughs> father yeah. well yeah. what do they call you most everybody calls me darren <laughs> and that's okay you know so yeah we've had conversations about that but yeah hmm. so here's what happens though because of social media and all of this so then the fallout has been um cousins aunties uncles uh nephews, nieces, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. I don't have Facebook, but you know everybody has Instagram. And so now like connecting with a bunch of them. Wow. And what, there's one particular set of cousins. So, um, so I mentioned that my father was, Pops was the reason that men, most of the family has come over. Well, the first person after Pops was a cousin of mine. And, uh, Sadly, right after, um, right after all of this meeting him and everything, a couple months ago, one of his sisters passed away, which was the mother of this cousin who was the second of the family to come over. Mm. And he has a big family, and in, in uh, you know, this cousin has seven brothers, and they all live in the same neighborhood in San Diego, and mm. and so they're all together uh, mourning the loss of his mom he's mourning the loss of his mom the his kids are mourning the loss of their their grandmother their mm. lola mm. and uh don't get me started on the nicknames that they have for everybody because mm-hmm. i still don't understand them all you know i'm an yeah. insan which is cousin i don't even know if that's tagalog or if that's ilocano like mm-hmm. i guess our our family speaks ilocano mm-hmm. uh, but everybody speaks tagalog because that's more national and it's all confusing to me. I keep trying to learn a Filipino or Tagalog word a day, but it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but while they were all at this gathering, everybody's pretty sad because mm-hmm. their grandmother and mother had just died. They start all talking and they're like, yeah, but did you hear about this guy? Uncle Gene's long lost son. Mm-hmm. So then they look me up on Instagram and they're like, well, wait a minute. And by then, I guess this is a part of the story. By then, you introduced me as Darren Famularcano, who used to be Darren Ratcliffe. Mm-hmm. Well, by then, I changed my name. Yeah, I wanted and, to talk about that, too, the name change. Yeah. Through the whole story, I had always told Bethany, like, look, if this goes well, I'm going to change my name. Mm. Um, and I, I got some pushback, not from family members, all of my family members, my mother, my stepfather, my kids, everybody, Bethany, everybody was all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was all contingent on everything going well and a whole list of people signing off that they were okay with it, including my father, my brother, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And so... What was the pushback from? So my friends pushed back. They pushed back because they felt like it was disrespectful to my stepdad. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? This is who you are. Mm-hmm. But most people who, most of them who pushed back p- apologize because they realize, I'm so sorry. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. I've always known my dad. I've always known who I am. Mm-hmm. I've never had an identity crisis yeah. besides like trying to figure out who you were in high school, right? Mm-hmm. right. Like they've always known. And so they, they came around and so, 
after a long series of conversations with my mother and my father, my stepfather, my own grown kids, mm-hmm. um, and then my uh, newfound half-brother, went ahead and changed it legally. Courthouse, the whole the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, new driver's license, social security wow. card, all of that. Including Bethany. Including Bethany and Ezekiel. Yeah. Ezekiel. yeah. Yeah, big deal, right? Yeah. So poor Bethany had to change her name twice in the last seven years when we got married and then again here. And she holds it against me, right? Uh-huh. She teases me all the time. But it's <laughs> it's really great until you have to spell it or, or sign it. And then it's very difficult because it's a very long name, yes. right? And uh, but because I had changed my name, the cousins down there are like, wait, we found this blood. You know how Instagram and the algorithms are. All of a sudden, I'm popping up on people's feeds and like, right. wait a minute. Who is this? Uh-huh. What's going on? And does anybody know if this is all okay? Well, they end up this big family gathering call, calling the original cousin who connected it Too all. Too cool. And she said, no, it's real. <laughs> this is legit. Yeah. This is legit. Yeah. So they reached out. And as a, a result of reaching out, like five minutes later, we just had this video call. And uh, I met a cousin and like 12 of his family members all in his living room. And we're all like, oh, wow, we all look alike, right? And you're just talking. Oh. And they're like, well, let's, you, you have to come to San Diego and meet the family soon. And I'm like, well, for Thanksgiving, we're going to be down in La Quinta, down in the desert. That's not that far away. I mean, if you guys are all okay with it, we could come visit. They said, yeah, we would love that. Well, as it turns out, it ended up being on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So here's the f- crazy thing. Went down to La Quinta to have some Thanksgiving time with Bethany's family. And then on Thanksgiving Day, drove over to San Diego to meet the cousins for Thanksgiving, which sounds great in theory till you're driving over there and realizing, whoa, what is? what are we even mm-hmm. doing? We're going to wow. go Thanksgiving with a room full of strangers. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. And they had told me, yeah, we're going to get family together. It's going to be great. We want to welcome you to the family. And that's how they talk, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that's how I talk, right? So if anybody's like, wait, Darren doesn't have an accent. I'm going to tell you. I do now. So, <laughs> so, so, like, wait, we want to welcome you to the family, cousin. I'm like, okay, what do we need to bring? No, you're the guest of honor. And I'm like, no. But. They're like, yeah, we'll bring some family over. So, so we went over there thinking that maybe there'll be like 10. Because mm-hmm. we're nothing personal against anyone we're used to kind of smaller caucasian thanksgivings (laughs) right 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 and we went over there and it was absolutely not small Mm. and not it was very filipino so we went over there like 25 people already there (laughs) and by the end of the evening there's like 60 who had showed up wow yeah and i don't what i got anxious about so by this time and the and and a lot of people have asked me well was your pops and your brother and you know, his mom, were they all there? They weren't because by this time there's another brother who was very, very sick. I had mm-hmm. another brother who's been very sick. And so they stayed home mm-hmm. to care for him. So it was just the cousins. So I don't know anybody. And so I told Bethany right before, like we're walking up to the door and I go, I'm, she goes, you're anxious because mm-hmm. she can tell. And I go, yeah, I'm very anxious. She's like, what about? And I'm like, well, I don't have a problem with strangers. Mm-hmm. That's our job, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's my living, like people. I don't have a problem with people, strangers, anything. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. I said, what makes me anxious is this. What if we walk in there and this whole extended family goes, yeah, I don't see it. Mm. No, no, I don't buy it. Wow. So you're a little anxious. 
So they open the door, you walk in, you start immediately getting hugged. You're invited mm-hmm. to take your shoes off because it's Filipino house and, and you get slippers. And so you <laughs> like all of that. And then I realized, well, my cousin's going barefoot. That's what I'm doing, uh-huh. which I didn't think was going to be a deal. But it. so everybody's hugging you. And, and, and then like in the gathering, the elders are all at the table, the youngers. Right, they're all the young cousins and nieces and nephews. They're all over here just talking. The elders are all speaking Ilocano and Tagalog. The mm-hmm. nieces and nephews are all speaking English, and it's just this crazy. Wow. And I'm like somewhere lost. Bethany and I are somewhere lost in the middle of it all. But I could tell, you know, like when like you're the center of attention. I could tell, like all the elders are, like they, I, I would catch them looking at me, mm-hmm. talking, speaking Ilocano, looking at me and pointing. Mm-hmm. So finally, I asked one of my cousins, I'm like, what are they talking about? One of my nieces. Yeah. I'm like, what are they talking about? And they're like, she's like, oh, they're all talking about you. Wow. And I'm like, well, okay, is everything cool? And she goes, oh, no, 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 they're having a blast. Oh, that's and I'm like, so cool. I'm like, yeah, but, but, but what are they saying? And she goes, oh, they're saying like how much you look, act, and sound like your father, wow. like their uncle Gene that yeah. they haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for them. Because they're like, oh, you. So my anxiety was like, what if I go in there and they're like not buying it? But it was as soon as I walked in, it was the opposite. They're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's one of us. And so there I would be talking and one of my cousins would just stop the conversation and go, it's so weird, cousin. You sound just like your father. And I'm like, OK, I'm not I'm not going to kid you, Elijah. I, I went to the bathroom a couple of times and just cried a little mm-hmm. bit because I've never sounded, looked like or acted like anyone. That was never a deal, right? Yeah. I don't sound like anyone. I'm just a one-off. Mm. But then you spend this whole time and you're realizing, no, I'm one-off. Mm. And that's cool. And the way God had it. Mm. I had taken my shoes off, right? I just mentioned that because mm. the slippers were awkward. Mm-hmm. Somebody else had wore them and that was weird for me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'd rather walk around on the floor barefoot. And so my uh, the same cousin who was like, you sound like uncle he comes over and he goes your feet and i'm like what did i do something i thought he was going to get mad at me and tell me to put the slippers back on he goes no no no, you have uncle's feet and i'm like that's the weirdest thing man i and i even told him i'm like you know in any other context you start talking about my feet we're probably going to throw hands right you don't just do that and we just started laughing and then that another that cousin another cousin came and i was just standing there mm-hmm. and they just ran over really fast with their phone and i'm like what is going on right mm-hmm. and he's like he shows me a picture and it's a picture of me standing there mm-hmm. had my arms behind my back or something i was just standing like i always do and he comes over and he goes you stand just like your father and i'm like wait what and he so two months before at the gathering for their their aunt or their mm-hmm. grandmother, their Lola who died, my 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 pops was down there and mm. he shows me a picture of when he was in that same room standing. Oh. And it's exactly alike. Wow. Exactly alike. Wow. Yeah. One off to one off. Mm. By the grace of God. Right? Changes everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah, it's an interesting thing too, because you you know you mentioned like God's hand and the timing of all of that. It's an interesting thing. I don't understand the timing because for my nieces, the San Diego nieces who are a different last name, but their their grandmother and my father are brother and sister. We're brother and sister. Their grandmother passed away. Like for them, they mentioned like we lost our Lola, but we got a cousin, and I'm like, oh wow, I don't. 
who does that right yeah like you can chalk that up for me you can chalk that up to like for them they're all like what does this mean and for me i'm like that's the grace of god mm. like i want to be a blessing in your life and i hope that i am mm -hmm. but that's the grace of god right so um we're still doing okay on time yeah my father um was in long beach and I was born. Then he went to Vietnam. And after Vietnam, he went back to the Philippines and married his wife. Mm -hmm. And they had a son named John. But while he was in Vietnam, he got restationed back to Long Beach. And his wife and John, his wife and his son stayed in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so he came back to the States. And while he was in the States, he had another son with another woman. Mm -hmm. And then he w got returned to the Philippines and grabbed his wife and his son and brought them back to the States. And they had another son. Mm. So their family was the two of them and their two sons. But there was two of us mm. that were not a part of the fa same father, but yeah. different mothers. So what's interesting is in this process, I had met the youngest brother. Um, the older brother, older of the two, I'm the yeah. oldest of all what, uh, right, okay. of four uh -huh. boys, the older of the two that grew up in the same house together, the, we'll call it their nuclear family, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, he recently moved back in with them because he had a job transfer and was going to be working out of the Bay area. But when he came back, he was visibly sick. Mm. And I remember my pops called me and he was really kind of disturbed because he couldn't believe how sick his son was, mm. like visibly lost a lot of weight. And they thought his son told him that it was like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis and they were getting it figured out. Mm -hmm. So it turns out he went to the hospital and he was diagnosed with late stage uh, pancreatic cancer that mm -hmm. has had spread. And this is just a couple of months ago. Wow. And so as you can imagine, there's a part of me that's like, well, I want to meet him. Mm. But he's got some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So again, it's on his time frame. Yeah. And by then I knew that he knew about me because I had come into the family and mm -hmm. they're a Filipino family and everybody talks. Mm -hmm. So I knew that he knew, but it was just going to be patient, wait, waiting on timing. Yeah. But sadly, um, though they had been told, you know, with chemo and treatment, maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe even two years, um, just recently, he got really sick and went into the hospital. And uh, last week, the hospital told the family that there's um, there was nothing that they could do and that they were going to, his desire was to go home mm -hmm. and go on hospice and spend his last couple of months at home. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, shock to the family, mm -hmm. to my other brother, who I talk to regularly. And... Uh, then he let me know at the end of last week, like we went to go and pick up our brother and bring him home and get hospice all set up. And he's too weak to come home. He's not going to come home. And what they thought was going to be two months has turned into like, he may not make it two more days. Mm. So I got in a car last Saturday and I drove down mm. and, uh, again with the family's permission just to be there in support. Mm. And so, 
as it turned out, I got down there about a half an hour before my other brother passed away wow. at 51. Hmm. I got to see him, didn't get to meet him. He was, um, he was unconscious, very sick. Um, wow. And what was interesting was at that point, then my other brother, the youngest of us, and my pops, at that point, then they're asking lots of questions like, okay, we've never gone through this. Mm. Have I'm in your work? Have you in my work? Right. <laughs> have you, and I was able to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll help like whatever you need me to do. Wow. And so it was really special to be down there at the most painful. And I still don't know all of my emotions about it because he's a brother, but I, I didn't really know him. Mm. I've since know got to know a lot about him. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think we would have gotten along really well. I think we were probably out of the four brothers, the most similar. Mm. Um, but it was really special to be able to be down there and support, to pray, even when nobody knew I was praying, mm. um, when appropriate to make people laugh mm. and to be there and to help my little brother make phone calls to mm. like he the idea of calling a funeral home was just absolutely overwhelming. You know, mm. you think you have two months. We were driving right, around and he says, you think you have two months and it was less than two days. Mm. And in fact, it was like 12 hours and I'm not ready. Mm. I don't know. And I said, I, it's okay. He goes, have you ever had to? And I go, yeah, mm. let me call him. Wow. You, I'll help you however you want. And to be able to be down there for a few days and help with some of those initial phone calls and getting things squared mm. away and helping like, out of the blue, he's got to figure out how to get a hold of the hospital and tell them that this funeral home will go and pick up his brother's body. That's just too much for him mm. at that moment. So to be able to help with all of that was really, really special. In a weird sense, like that time was a, another gift from the Lord in that because now there's no doubt we care, mm. right? Um, and so we've been processing that, you know, prayers are appreciated for all the family, but we've just been processing all of that and walking through those things and again i don't understand like who understands the mind of god right Mm. and his ways and i don't understand his ways but i know within a matter of months they found a son right before they lost a son and there's no way that Mm. any one person could replace another one there you can't Um, but even they recognize that it's interesting and Mm they're walking through and wondering all about that and are so glad that we're around, you know, and it's just, it's just an interesting deal. The story's unfolding and how that all continues to play out will be, will be interesting. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's, and to see God's, whether they recognize it or not, to see God's care in all of that, even for them has been very, very, very interesting. So yeah. Mm. That's the story to this point. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Uh, I was just thinking as you were saying that, like, just say this to bring glory to the Lord, that, like, you, I think you were the perfect person to be there at that time. It seems like the Lord has brought you in right at, like, the precipice of uh, tragedy in the family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a pastor, you're specifically equipped to help heal and like you said bring laughter and joy and support 
you know, it's just so cool to see. Yeah, you know what? I forgot about this, Elijah. There was a point, what, what was interesting, so as a result of this, the other half-brother that I had been told about, even by my mother at a young mm -hmm. age, that I had always kind of theoretically knew about, besides the two that right. grew up in the family, yeah. he came over as well. And so I got to meet him, but that mm -hmm. poor guy didn't know anything. And literally a half an hour before he met me, he was told about me. And so, mm -hmm. but even that was a sweet thing because he and I have a unique yeah. experience that our other brother doesn't in the sense yeah. that like, we're kind of outside coming in type of right. a deal. And, we got to share lots of experience and story because he's known them for quite a bit longer. Okay, so he's he's he knows. Yeah, he's Gene. been a part of that okay. reality on one level or another for more than thirty years, and yeah. so that's so. But he was asking, like, for him, it brought up all those feelings, and I'll bet you're feeling this, and how about this, mm -hmm. and so that's really cool. That was really good. I, I now have a picture of uh the remaining three of us and our pops and it's mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a special picture not one i ever thought i would have right mm -hmm. and uh even you know how <laughs> how we are with pictures today right mm -hmm. like you got to get the perfect picture and you got to edit it and so on and so forth and this was just a one-shot picture and there's nothing there's no amount of editing that's going to happen mm -hmm. to it because this is just the reality of who we are mm -hmm. right and um but i got to meet him and that was neat and one of the nights while I was down there just helping the fam, just being support, right? And we're all there and some cousins had come over, come up from San Diego. And uh, my brother who passed away had these really three close friends from high school, these girls that he knew for 30 years and they were there too. And um, they had planned on having a special Korean barbecue mm -hmm. while they were there, but he didn't make it. And so we still did the mm -hmm. Korean barbecue <laughs> dinner and my pops grabbed me, right? It was weird because, like, he's my pops, but, mm -hmm. like, like, listen, man, I'm a grown man, and you're not telling me what to do type of a deal. <laughs> yeah. But there was this moment where he came in, and we're all sitting around getting ready to eat, um, which, by the way, is very informal. Even at the Filipino Thanksgiving down in San Diego, there was no sit down, everybody at the same time. There was food put out till 12 and everybody eats all day long, whatever you want, whenever you want, all day long to where like, so on Thanksgiving, I think we had like three or four Thanksgiving dinners because you just eat all day long. <laughs> Fantastic. I told Bethany, I never want to do Thanksgiving the way we did it in the past ever again. Yeah, that sounds phenomenal. Do I want to take time and say what we're all thankful for? Of course. I yeah. think that's great, right? Uh -huh. But man, let's, let's. Let's bring a little <laughs> Filipino flair to this deal yes. and have some fun and bust out the karaoke. Yes. And all the stereotypes <laughs> were there. So uh -huh. whatever Joe Coy on his comedy special says about Filipinos, mm -hmm. I experienced yeah. it's all true, right? So we're all just getting ready to eat, right? Mm -hmm. And my pops comes in and he says, Darren. And I'm like, whoa, man, you don't talk to me like that. <laughs> like, I'm 52 years old, but I think, I don't think we do that because mm -hmm. it was like that. Yeah. I need to see. You know uh, what I mean? It was yeah. kind of an authoritative thing. And I was like, listen here. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I go over there. It was funny. The little insecure child, little boy in me was like, mm -hmm. did I do, am I in trouble? Uh. It, but I had to like on walking out to the back patio, I had to convince myself, no, you're a grown man. You're not in trouble. <laughs> and even if he thinks you're in trouble, you're not in trouble. You didn't right. do anything wrong. Yeah. So we go out there and he says, uh, with your job. Do you say blessings? Mm. And I'm like, yeah. And I, I had to kind of translate everything through his Catholic understanding, right? right. Like I'm not a priest, so I'm not bringing incense mm -hmm. or, you know, 
which by the way, their services are just beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. But I was like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, when we go back in, I would like you, I would like you to say blessing for everyone for, for your brother. And I said, absolutely. That's so cool. So it was a really, it was a really unexpected, didn't plan for it, but there was a really, there was a sweet moment where, you know, I got to pray with everyone for everything Mm. that was going on. And it was really, really, it was, it was really beautiful. That is Um, so beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was unexpected. Mm -hmm. So I think as you, as you mentioned, like timing and like all of like 52 years in the making, right? Like what about like 30 years ago? Mm. Like what about that time when I was in Reno at a wrestling tournament as a high schooler and I, I miss weight. And because I miss weight, I had to stay back at the convention center and run to try to lose another quarter pound, Mm -hmm. right? The whole wrestling team got to go out and have a really great breakfast because everybody knows a Denny's in Reno is way different than a Denny's in Medford. (laughs) Right. And I had to miss it because I had to stay and cut weight. And usually one of the coaches would stay with you, but there's a lot of people around. So they all left. I was alone. Mm. And because all the weigh-ins were done, this massive amount of people were all gone. The Mm -hmm. place was almost empty. And I remember running stairs, right? trying to cut a quarter pound. And I remember running stairs, and when I was running stairs, I looked across the convention center and I saw a small little Asian man walk in. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if that's my dad. Mm. Like, how cool would that be? Maybe this whole time you have these fantasies, Mm. maybe this whole time he's been watching me, and today's Mm. the day I get to meet him. And then sadly, I watched the little guy go to his son who had also missed weight (laughs) and was running on the other end of the gym and he clearly wasn't coming to me. Mm. And so there's a sadness and you think to yourself, well, why not then? Why not? Why not when I was really struggling here? Why not when my other buddy told me like what he was going to look like? And I was saddened for years about I'll never know what I'm going to look like. Right. When I get older, I just don't know. I do now. And it's not bad. Right. It's Filipino. I love it, right? Mm. Can't wait to be a little old Filipino man. <laughs> but why not then, right? What about this moment where I was struggling? And what about this moment from my vantage point and my timing? What about all of those times? Mm. And then you live through it in this moment, 52 years in the making. And you realize that the 52 years to go from one off to one of mm. was more purpose than you ever knew for everyone. It's a big deal. Mm. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And I can't wait to have more Filipino family feasts, mm. you know. So mm. it's been pretty amazing. I love the theme of one off to one of. Yeah. I think that's probably the presiding theme of this conversation. Yeah. And I, what What do you say to someone who feels like a one off, you know, even just in the, not even just with family, but spiritually speaking too i mean i think being a one-off is actually a cultural um uh, let's see it's almost like an encouragement like you're special you should be your own person and it's so actually anti-cultural to be to actually want to just be part of the family you know that's a great observation elijah because like you don't know how to like for me now, if somebody's a one-off and they just absolutely love it, mm-hmm. that's great. Mm-hmm. For me, no matter how much I tried to convince myself, like you said, the cultural norm, well, I'm special, I'm mm-hmm. unique. Like, like you can't just go to a website and get another me, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a one-of, right? Yeah. Or a one-off deal. And 
no matter how it never like there's still that ache that hurt that wonder mm-hmm. the question the longing mm-hmm. and isn't that kind of the way it is right we've been created for community and the first community we were created not only for but in is in the context of family and you just want that right mm. we were created to crave mm. the attention of the father yeah. and not just the father but our fathers and like and when i use those phrases i mean that in the context of god's best i don't mean that in the the fallenness of our culture society and world that's not what i mean i mean like there's a purpose in it right mm-hmm. that we would have this relationship with God. And so if there was a person that was struggling with that sense, and maybe they didn't even know they're struggling until I said it, and now they're mad at me because mm-hmm. now I have pointed out a struggle they're having. Yeah, I would just say this, number one, don't be mad at me. Come and talk to me, mm. right? I'm easy to find. I've lived here my whole life. Come and find me. Mm. But what we'll talk about is the reality that it's only in the context of our culture that we're a one-off. Mm. In the context of the heavenlies and in christ we're one of Mm -hmm. and always have been and so that's the interesting thing about this is there's so many levels and facets and while there is a practical relational familial sense of peace about now being one of and really being one of that's not only confirmed by a story a picture dna Mm -hmm. but now cousins aunties and uncles who cannot get over how much i look like him or how much i sound like my grandfather Mm -hmm. right because I met a couple more cousins just recently that were two little old ladies in the corner speaking Ilocano about how much I reminded them of my grandfather, the one that I, which seems appropriate, right? Because that's the one I found, but yeah. didn't know mm. that had died. And right. Wow. So no, not only is there a peace that comes there, but beyond that and what transcends that is the family that God has adopted us into as a result of his great love for us, especially this time of year, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Mm -hmm. And we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and the reality that that gives us an opportunity, regardless of our family dynamic, regardless of our personal status, regardless of what insecurities we have, struggles or issues, regardless of all of that, we have a father in heaven who is like the father in the parable, right? of the prodigal son who's waiting mm. for us to come home mm. and willing to remind us through his actions that we've always been one of. Mm. And now he wants us to know it and never forget it and know that there's a belonging there. So what's interesting for me is now reconciling and working, if you will, with the Lord and reconciling those two realities, mm. that theological reality that only has been compounded as a reminder that, yeah, but I've always been with the practical newfound reality, but now I am, mm. right? And You know, theologically, and you know this, we're always wrestling with this now and not yet tension of, right. of the kingdom. I, I think on a personal level, like it's a similar thing. Like it's, it's, it's am, but always was mm. tension. And now just working that through. Mm. I do believe that I have heard, I don't hear voices, but I have heard a sense from God very clearly. There was this moment where I felt like it was early on, maybe after the second conversation with my pops, there was this very clear sense of the Lord saying, hey, you know that chip on your shoulder you've lived with your whole life because of your insecurities? And I just, I remember smiling. Mm. And the reason I remember smiling, this might not surprise anybody, is because I have a mirror in my office and I was looking at myself. (laughs) 
which you would think like, well, of course you were. You're trying to reimagine who you are again. And I would say, nah, I just look at myself a lot. <laughs> um, but I was looking at myself and I smiled because I, I recognize what the Lord was putting his finger on. Mm. And then the next sense I got was, why don't we go ahead and be done with that? Now? Mm. Why don't you go ahead and let me take that chip off your shoulder? And I wish I could say at this point, Elijah, in the last six months or five months that it's been good and perfect through that. Mm-hmm. But that's a process because of what I found is because of my old habits, I keep wanting to put that chip back and I keep having to remember like, no, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to, you're okay. Mm-hmm. You're one of now on every level mm-hmm. imaginable. And it's a gift from God and it means everything. Mm-hmm. I thank the Lord for his ability or in his, his creative diversity to not only create, uh, white America, Mm. black America, Filipino America, Hispanic America, Hispanic cultures, Mm. Filipino cultures. Uh, Like I'm just so grateful to be part of it all. So, yeah. Yeah. So if anybody was struggling, I'd Mm. say, hey man, let's talk because there are some nuances to it, but God can meet you in the middle of those. And maybe it'll be similar to the way he has with me, or maybe it won't, but he can meet you in the middle of it and bring a peace and a, and a, security and a significance to it and remind you of like how much he loves you which by by the way speaks of value and care yeah Mm. that's what i would say i think yeah yeah i think that's thank you for sharing that absolutely i'll tell you one last thing the next time so a few months ago right before all of this our church we have a habit of doing uh picnics in the park like after sunday services our building is real close to a park and so Uh we'll do a bring your own picnic down to the park afterwards right and so we were down there one time and the last time we were doing it there was this big like pacific islander club Mm -hmm. meeting and there was like filipinos and 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 uh, japanese and samoans and tongans and they were all having this huge deal and you could tell like Uh that's a thing right (laughs) they had taken over the whole park and Everything within me, like there was this inner longing, like I'm going to go hang out with them. But (laughs) right, I'm the pastor of the church and you can't abandon the church in that moment, even though I felt like I want to go hang with them and they have better food. Right. But there but there was this even though there was a longing, there was this reality of like, how do you do that? Do you play a theoretical invite? Like, well, I've been told I'm Filipino. So can I hang? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, the next time we ever come and that party's going on, I'm walking through the front door. I'm like, here we go, boys. Let's go. I'm Famular Kano. I'm home. I'm I'm one of. So let's go. Right. And let me introduce you to some other one ofs, which Mm. would be church family and other people. Because so that's the other thing. Right. The reality of the kingdom is the one of is bigger than the, than what we think. Mm. And because it's bigger than what we think and more diverse than what we think, it's yeah. better. Yeah. And so, Amen. yeah, it's it's pretty great. So I appreciate you having me here and let me tell the story. Thanks for telling your story. Absolutely. Yeah. If anyone wants to, to talk to you, um, they can look up Rogue Valley Christian Church. Yep. They can look us up there and then also email. You can email me, Darren, at rvchristian.com. Easy. If you want a harder email, it'd be Darren Famularcano at Gmail. But good luck spelling that one. Yeah, we'll um, see how people. Do. If you send an email there and it doesn't come back, chances are it's not that I'm ignoring you. You probably just spelled it wrong. <laughs> so if you go to our website, my name's on there, and you can get a hold of me through there. It's pretty easy. Mm. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. <laughs>